Ja. What's going on here? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, leave it at least leave it alone. I'm in control now. I'm in control, Trinity. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you back it up, Trinity, to where it says announcements? Actually, I'm in control. So, Trinity, did that pop back up? Is it recording again? Cool. Because last time it didn't record me. Anyway, so... This, uh, I'm calling this thing, leave them breathless. I don't know what to do with my hands now, I normally. I'm going to sit here and talk to you like this the whole time. Um, leave them breathless. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll, you'll, you'll understand what that means here in a little bit. It's really cool because I, I wasn't planning on doing all that. We just did. And it just that's you know, the spirit thing. Holy Spirit doing his thing. But this whole sermon is about leaving our city breathless. So, let's see how it goes. Because God is great, and you are His image. (laughs) So, let's see if I can read this here. So if I were to ask you, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? This is how we kind of define ourselves. You know how when you meet somebody for the first time, well, what do you do? What do you do for a living? What's your job? What's that? What's this? You know, it t- tends to be what we ask. And I thought to myself, well, I would say that I work for the university. I work at the airport. You know, it's one of the things that I do. And then I thought to myself, Fred, you know, Fred, actually, you, you kind of you helped me out today because it's your fifty-third anniversary of when you would have enlisted yes. yesterday. Okay. So that's cool. I listed that. Mine's not that long ago. Mine's like 20. In April, it was like 22 years ago, I guess. I'm a ways behind you. I'll try to catch up, though. <laughs> so Fred might say, I was a Navy man. I'm retired now, but I was a Navy man. Jerry might say, I was a mechanic. You know? For forever. <laughs> um. Let's see, Renee, she would say she's a teacher. Jen would say she's a nurse. Jean Marie would say she's a PA. Joanne, the Dipper Queen. Yeah. Or Pastor Terry, who's basically done every job that this city has to offer. <laughs> that dude's had more jobs than anybody because he's always been working part time or third jobs. You know, he's like, he's the job guy. He loves it. <laughs> I don't think he loves it, but. But, anyways. Those things that we define ourselves by are actually what we just do for money. That's not what we do to make a living. You know, I really was just thinking about this because I was reading a book called Your Money or Your Life. And this really got me thinking because I've been just reading some financial stuff. It's been what's on my heart right now. So I've just been reading a bunch of different books. I try to read as much as possible. And one of the things was it said, 
the idea of your money or your life is, the, the title of the book is Your Money or Your Life, and the idea behind it is, if somebody were to point a gun at you and say, your money or your life, what would your choice be? You'd absolutely give them your money because you'd want your life. But we give our lives away to our jobs. We give our lives away to the things that, you know, to make money so that we can do. And so the whole book was on trying to find ways to where you can, you know, minimize your need for money so that you can live a happier life, not having to be a slave to, you know, a job and things like that. So it's just something that I really thought was kind of cool. So, and I thought to myself, now if I were to ask you, what do you do for a living at New Life? You know, most of us would say, well, I don't work there. That's Pastor Terry. He does that job. Uh, and a lot of us would probably just say, well, I just, I just go to New Life. You know? And uh, that's something that I'd like to change. I'd like to change that concept. I'd like to start defining the truth. I'd like to say, oh, you know, and stop saying, oh, I don't do anything for a job or a living at New Life. Stop saying I'm just a member. I just go there. Because that's just not what it's about. Because we were meant for more. We were meant to be here for our living, if that makes sense. New Life. Like, this is our place where we make a living. This is a place to where we define ourselves by who we are, by coming here. By, in our relationship with Christ, that's how we define ourselves. And that's when, when I meet people, I want to I start maybe flipping the script a little bit. Maybe changing my mindset, changing the way that I view things, and maybe saying, well, I'm a new lifer instead of I work at the airport. You know, I want this to be my focus. I want this. Well, what do you? What do you? What do you do for a living? Well, I serve my. I serve my city. I serve my church. You know, I'm trying to figure this out. As I, you know, as I've been thinking about this, I'm trying to figure out how to go about it. But I do know one thing's for sure: is that it's time to flip the script. And I don't care about the places that we go to make money. New life is. This is where we come to make a living, and we're meant for so much more than I just go here because you're all made in his image. And this is a place that we can come to change everything. This is a place that we can come to pray the prayers that we just prayed. This is a place that we can come to shift the atmosphere of a neighborhood. It's a place that we can come to shift the atmosphere of our city. This is what it's about. This is why we come here. We come here to meet with God and to meet with each other so that when we leave here, we can transform our city. So Pastor Terry kind of touched on us last week, but I'm going to address it right now because there's this elephant. (laughs) There's an elephant in the church. He was talking about false humility. I think false humility is sucking the life out of us. A lot of times we, we say, oh, well, well, you know, it's, well, it's God, it's this and all that stuff, and I get that, and I understand that we cannot do anything without his grace. I get that we can't do anything without his authority, without his power, without his name. We can't do anything, but at the same time, we're made in his image. We're made to represent him. We're made to look like Jesus in a way that we don't have to be shy about it. We don't have to be ashamed about it. We don't have to feel like if I say something good about myself that I'm actually belittling God because guess what? You can't. 
no matter what you say about yourself. As long as we're saying it out of a heart, as long as we're acting out of a heart of, I am a servant of God, then just like Paul would say, I hope that you do what I do. Paul would say that repeatedly. Look at me. Look at the example that I've set and do what I do. That's how he was telling people. He wrote letter after letter after letter. Do what I do. Then he'd say, I'm the weakest, right? He'd say, I'm the weakest of all the apostles. But at the same time, he'd say, do what I do. A lot of times when he said I was the weakest of all the apostles, he would connect the idea that it's because I was trying to kill the church before I became an apostle. He'd say things like, I'm the least of these because before I came to Christ, before he met me on that road, I was trying to kill everybody. I'm beeping, sorry. <clears throat> so false humility, like it just really it's just crippling. It's crippling us, I think. It's robbing us of our power. You know, this is, I was thinking about, Bill Johnson says this thing where he's telling you, you go up to a worship leader and you're like, oh man, that was really beautiful. And their, their answer is, well, you know, oh, well, that was just Jesus. It was just Jesus singing through me, you know, or that was God. And then he, his statement is, well, um, I think if that was Jesus singing, that it would have been far better than what you just gave us. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, you can't steal his glory. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was, okay, yes, but God gave you that gift. God gave you each the gifts that you have. He gave you each the skills. He gave you the, the mindset. He gave you the abilities also that you can glorify him. That's what he's about. He gave us, he, he spoke and said, let us make man in our image. That's who we are. We're made in his perfect image. So when I stand up there and sing, I'm singing for his glory. And if my voice sounds good today or next time, then that's great. And I love it. And I should be proud of the fact that I've been given a voice to sing. I should be proud of the fact that I can lead you. Not proud in an arrogant way, like oh, I'm a better singer than you, because it doesn't matter. But in a way that I'm, I'm representing God. I'm singing back his praise. I'm singing back his glory. And I should be proud of that fact. That's all I know. Okay. But here's the thing. Oh, I missed my little video. There's a video. This is pretty cool. This, is go- this goes along with... I'm looking at two things. I'm getting distracted. Sorry. So anyways, yeah. I really thought this was cool. So we're going to look at a video of some kids. <laughs> so I'm just going to play it. So they're just basically, it's like, it's a three-minute video. It's a hundred kids answering the question, what do you want to do when you grow up? So here we go. Let's see how it works. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be... Hey, I never think thought of that. Uh, let me think about that. Whoa. Hmm. I want to be a teacher when I grow up. Elementary teacher. I like little kids. A babysitter. A pastor. A dolphin trainer. A gentle without eight buds. A hair cutter. A person who helps in charities. Only cashier at Walmart. An author. Chapter books about mythical creatures and animals and things. I want to be a lawyer. Lawyer. Pilot. 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 And a dad. <laughs> a pilot racer dad. 
scientist, scientist, paleontologist, mind for dinosaur bones and study them, YouTuber, movie star, a famous actor, 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 <laughs> on stage, on TV, on Disney Channel, or commercials. I gotta be a model. Model. I want it. If I want a model, I just be a policeman. Police, police, police. Police officer, a cop. I want to car chases. Cash bad guys. A superhero. Batman. Spider-Man. I would like to go into the U.S. Army because my grandma, she loved the army, but she never went into the service. I want to be the third African-American gymnast. Gymnastic coach. I want to be a professional dancer. 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 Dance teacher. Ballerina. Professional soccer player. I have a shirt on right now that's for Barcelona. Soccer player. Basketball player. Basketball, football, or soccer player. Or baseball. I can never choose. Mm, I do not know. I'm still working on that. (laughs) Maybe when I grow up, I'll pick. I already have a whole plan. So the Air Force for 20 years, Become a businessman, make my own company for cars. I want to be a Pokemon trainer. I want to work at Target. I want a a cake. I want to be a pop star. Rock star. Singer. 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 I want to be a cook. A cook. But I don't really know how to actually cook. I want to be an artist. Artist. Painter. I want to be an artist that goes around painting walls. A artist and a video game maker. Video game designer. Video game. I want to be a filmmaker. Um, whatever my dad is. Oh, do you know what your dad is? I'm not sure. <laughs> I would be a doctor. 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 A mermaid. A mermaid doctor. Hmm. Heart surgeon. Neurosurgeon. Cardiologist. Gynecologist. Pediatrician. The kid's doctor. Pediatrician. And why do you want to do that? I want to be a doctor and that I can wear rainbow sweatpants. I really want to be a nurse. Everyone says you have to be very good at science and math. I'm not really, but I still want to be one. I want to be a pet doctor because I like helping animals. Pet vet. 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 Veterinarian. Veterinarian. Zoologist. Princess fairy zookeeper. How much do you think they get paid? $29. <laughs> Yeah, so I just thought those guys were cool. And the thing, the reason why I want to show that is because um, when we're kids, we have, no, we have no shame, if that makes sense. When we're kids, when we're asked what we want to be, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be Captain America. You know, I'm going to be Superman. I'm going to be something big. We, we, never, uh, we never go, well, you know, I don't know if I'll be anything. I don't know if I'll be this, that, or the other thing. We never, we never say things like that. I was thinking, like, not, not one of these kids felt ashamed of their future. Not one of them tried to, to hide behind some mask to protect their dream identity. Not one of them said, well, I'm going to give medicine to people, but I'd never call myself a doctor. You know, that's a lot of, a lot of us do as a Christians. Like, as, as Christians, a lot of us, we, we say, well, we want to, we want to we want to we want to heal people and we want to see people healed but I'd never say that I had anything to do with it. It's like this thing that really like it just kind of seems to just rip us of the power that we've been given through Christ. And I want us to be strong because like it says here here's the thing you're called to greatness.
because he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. I really like how these are titles that we should be inspiring our kids to want to be. This is Ephesians 4.11. These are titles that we should be, when we ask our kids, what do you want to be? It should be, I want to be an apostle who's a doctor. (laughs) I want to be an evangelist who's an actor. Do you know what I mean? Like these titles should be what we inspire to be. These titles should be what we're, we're wanting to be. And here's the thing, though. These titles are set aside for specific people, and we understand that. I'm going to read this same scripture. I'm going to read it from the Passion. The Passion doesn't go on our little thing here, so I'm going to put it up here for you. The Passion Translation, Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. So you can read along, and yours it's going to read way different. But So I don't know if... I've, I've been reading the Passion. What they did, what the guy does is he took the Greek and the Aramaic and he kind of like blends them together into this really cool, I I think it's fantastic. It's fantastic to read in my personal opinion. So it says, and he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers. And this is where it gets good. This is where, this is the good part, in my opinion. Because a lot of times we read this one and we read all those titles and then we forget the rest of it. Because we're like, well, I'm not an apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, or teacher. And I don't do that for a living. So that's not me. But here's the deal. Those five guys or girls are designed to do this. To call, is called to nurture and prepare all, all of the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So those five people are really nothing in comparison. Those titles, while they should be something that we aspire to, they're there so that they can build up us. That's what Pastor Terry and Suzette are here for, so that they can build us up to do our own works of ministry when we walk out the door, so that as we do that, we'll enlarge and build up this body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ, and then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our directions and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of the body of the church, of his body of the church. So, isn't that just super cool? To do their own works of ministry. That's our job. We come here to be equipped. We come here to be built up. We come here to go do our own works of ministry when we walk out the door. And it's everybody. 
It was all the holy believers. So if you consider yourself to be a holy believer, if you consider yourself to be a son or daughter of the living God, then you have a ministry. It's not apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, all that stuff's good. If you're one of those, by all means, get after it. But it doesn't mean that when you come here to be served by those people that you walk out and then it's all, it's all over, if that makes sense. The goal is to change the city. The goal is to transform. Like That's what God is about, is changing cities. That's why he got people together. That's why he gathered guys together. And when he gathered them together up in the upper room and he licked them with his tongues of fire and let them, set them on fire and, and set them out into the streets and everyone came running in Acts chapter 2, because they heard a roar. That's what's supposed to be happening here, is we're supposed to be offering up a roar, a, a, a shifting atmosphere, an atmosphere-shifting thing that when we, when we praise the Lord like we just did, when we have that, that's, that's what people will hear. That's what people are hearing, whether their ears are open to it or not. Our neighbors are hearing it, I promise you. Because when the presence of God comes, it's not something you can escape. And so whether they're hearing it audibly, whether they're hearing it in their spirit, our community knows when we're here on Sunday morning. Even if they're sleeping, I guarantee that God's giving people dreams around us, trying to reach them, trying to, trying to see if, they, if, if, they'll just, if it's the time, if it's that day, just waiting for them to make that change. So this is where... This is where we flip the script. You're part of this verse. We tend to look at the list of titles and forget to read the rest. You're here at New Life to make your living doing your own works of ministry. When we get a hold of this, this is when we will start taking their breath away. And as you take their breath away, you will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. After today, this will no longer be just going to New Life. That's my hope. I don't know that you guys think that, but I'm just saying no more just going. I'm a lifer. You guys remember when you were in the military, that was lifers, right? You guys remember that? There was these guys that were, were lifers. I was never one of those guys. But I just want to I, I just talk about the importance of going all in. And the military lifers, I was thinking about these guys. And girls, there was girls, female ones too, obviously. But these 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 ones that they were just—I don't know how to describe them. Yeah, they were different. That's all there is to it. Like you know, I don't know how to describe it. This is these are the only words I can come up with. They were super dedicated to the cause. <laughs> Super dedicated to the cause. Like these are the guys that were pressed, like their uniforms were tight all the time. You know, like not that I was walking around like a slob, but there was guys that put way more attention into their, you know what I'm saying? Their their stuff was pressed. They had the, the creases and the and all this stuff. And there were some guys that you could, you know, they used so much starch on their uniforms you could take it off and stand it up in a corner, man, you know? So like and these are the guys that were just like super gung-ho. There's a good word, gung-ho, that's the way. They really, really loved their job. I loved my job. And when I was in the Air Force, I loved it. I, my, I was an avionics guy on F-15s. So I was doing like, I was working with flight controls, engine instruments, all that stuff, and, and you know, 
troubleshooting wires and, and just making sure the systems worked all right. And, like, I just loved my job. But I couldn't stand being in the Air Force. Couldn't stand it. Because if you could believe it, I don't really, not really into people telling me what to do. <laughs> I'm okay with it now. But I wasn't then, so it was a little rough for me. But I really loved my job, but I wasn't ate up enough. And they're super, these guys, these guys, and they were super just active in everything. Like, I remember some of the stuff, when you'd get like your, um, your annual review, basically, there's a bunch of different names for it if you're in different services, but when you'd get your annual review from your supervisor, they basically, you'd get more points, extra points, if you were like, on the softball team, or if you volunteered at the food shelter, or at the you know at the shelter, you'd get like you'd get more love on your review if you had done those things. And these guys, these lifers, I don't know how they had any life outside of what they did because a lot of them were constantly serving, constantly volunteering, constantly doing this. They were super active in everything they did. Played on a softball team. Oh, and they you know they pick up trash in a parking lot. Which seems strange to me. Like, I, I mean, it, seems, it doesn't seem strange because everybody should be doing that. But uh, this is what's different about that guy is that he actually makes the effort to, like, walk through the parking lot to see if he can find some. Whereas if I walk by some, yeah, I'm going to pick it up. But this guy would, you know, the above and beyond thing. He would walk through the parking lot to find it. And if there wasn't any, then he was happy. But if he found, he'd go find it, you know, that's, that's what I'm talking about, being a lifer, being ate up, being constantly always, just always happy, always ready to go, always fired up about this. This is what we do. So, again, I'm talking about the importance of all in. So I want us to be new lifers. <laughs> thought that was fun. Anyways, I want us to be new lifers. I want us to be dedicated to the cause. I want us to feel like we can't feel like I can't see myself anywhere else but here on a Sunday morning. I can't see myself anywhere but there with my family, with my church family, living it up. I want to be there. I can't wait to get there. That's what I want us to be. That's what I want to be personally, and that's what I want us to be. I want us to, to love our church. I want us to be the first one and the last to leave. I want us to always be happy and ready to serve. I want us to be new life ate up. I want us to be active in all aspects. I want us to be ones who volunteer, you know, when there's a need that will volunteer. You know, the, Pastor Terry has done every job imaginable in the city. He's also done every job imaginable in our church. He's been the usher when needed. He's been the worship leader when needed. He's been the drummer when needed. He's been the guitar player when needed. He's been... You know, he's been the the slides guy. He's been the guy who sets up the church. He's been the guy who does this. And, of course, he's the pastor. So you're like, well, that's supposed to be what he is. Well, yeah, I get that. But at the same time, we need to enlarge our ministries outside of these walls so that we can enlarge the people in this building so that we can have more people to do the things that are necessary. And that comes with being aid up. And that comes with being when we start to take the breath away of our city. You're going to see where I'm getting at. It's going to make sense here in just a moment. 
So the importance of going all in and representing well comes down to us representing God so well in our city and region and state that we actually take the breath away of our neighbors. If you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 10. You're going to like this. I think my dad just said something about this a little bit ago. But he used a different part of the script, the, the section. All right, so here we go. Now when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon. I know we just got started, but hold on a second, because I want to point that out. The fame of Solomon, the king, King Solomon, his fame. That kind of goes along with what I was talking about earlier, about us being kings and queens about us being proud of our position, proud of our image, proud of us being who we are in Christ. The fame of Solomon. And here's the best part. Concerning the name of the Lord. So it's his fame, but it's concerning the name of the Lord. You know, like we, we all admire Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton, um, Randy Clark, you know, they drove there, they flew to Alabama, they went down there so that they could see these guys because their fame concerning the name of the Lord. Like, Randy Clark doesn't stand up there ashamed of preaching his message. If he did, none of us would go see him. None of us would go because we wouldn't care if he was up there ashamed of himself for being strong and being a person who, you know, however he was able to do it, he's the guy who somehow broke the the mold on being able to see healing, you know? So he's, he's famous concerning the name of the Lord. So now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with difficult questions. So she came to Jerusalem with a very large retinue with camels carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. And here's the cool part. Why Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king, which he did not explain to her. When the king of, queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, that uh, the house... Oh, here we go. I'm not reading this right. When the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters and their attire, his cupbearers, and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. That's the part I wanted you to see. In a couple other versions, one of the versions it says, I think it's the Passion. I can't remember because I didn't write it down. One of the ways it reads is, is there was no more breath in her. So she was so captivated by everything she saw that her breath was taken. She was, you know, you know I've been left breath, breathless. We've all had those moments watching a sporting event or watching our kid do something cool or watching our kid, you know, uh, experience something new or, or just watching something great where you're like, you're just, you catch yourself, I'm not even breathing right now because this is so awesome. <laughs> you know, that's what happened when he's walking around showing her says that there was no more breath in her. Uh, then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom concerning the name of the Lord, remember? Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. 
And behold, the half was not even told to me. So the half, she's like, it's not even, what people told me was not even half of it, not even the half of it. You exceeded wisdom and prosperity, the report which I heard. How blessed are your men. How blessed are these your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. So she gave to the king 120 talents of gold and a very great amount of spices and precious stones. Never again did such abundance of spices come in as that which the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. So I think there's four really cool key points in here. I kind of talked about them already, but I want to just talk about them a little more. I just really like that concerning the name of the Lord, how that read. I think that's so cool because she's saying, I heard about your fame concerning the name of the Lord. And that's what we want people, that's what we want our city to say about us. That's what I want our city to say about us. I hope that you guys are in on it with me. <laughs> but like, I want, I want our city to say, you know, there's something I've heard about you that I've heard about the way you lead worship. That's what, I love when people come up to me and say stuff like that. And not because of something I did, not because I feel special, but because I know that God was with me when I was doing the thing. I love it when people come up to me and they're like, man, that worship night was awesome. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I was. <laughs> you know, you're right. It was completely awesome. And uh, I love it when people know my dad. I think that's fun, too. Like, oh, I know him. Sometimes it's one way or sometimes it's the other. But it's fun when people know him. Or when you go out to a restaurant with a guy on a Sunday afternoon and he's, he has to stop at eight tables because he knows everybody in there, you know. I think that's a cool thing. And it's because of that's his fame. I mean, it's small in comparison to some others, obviously, but that's his fame, that he has to see eight tables before he gets to sit at his own. And it's all concerning the name of the Lord. Now, here's the cool part. So, this is what she says. When, I, when, when Queen Sheba had seen all of the wisdom of Solomon, she said that she saw the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he'd offered at the house of the Lord. There was no more breath in her. And she said after she saw that, she said that the reports were true. See, what happened was Solomon and his people, they represented well. So they represented well Solomon, and Solomon represented well the Lord. And so by that, that's what took their breath away. That's what took her breath away was the fact that they represented well. So that's, that's what I want to inspire you to do. This week, next week, I want to inspire you to represent well, to represent well, to represent yourself well, to represent new life well, to represent God well in a way that we take the breath of our city away. That we start to inspire people to start to inspire people to see who they are in Christ and who they could be in, in God. And that's when we're going to start. They, they took their breath away. It was what, it's what inspired her. It was all that crazy stuff that she saw, his wisdom, the way that, you know, they, they get into detail. If you look into studies and that stuff, they talk about the way that he placed his silverware, you know, like stuff like it was all these different things to where she was going. I, it was basically she was sitting there going, I never thought of that before. 
I never thought I never thought that I'd see anything like this. I never thought I'd see a temple like this. I never thought I'd see a, you know, I don't know if it was a castle, but you know, whatever, his, his place of where he lived. I never thought I'd see anything like this. It wasn't even halfway described to me what I'm seeing now. This is just absolutely beautiful. And that's what we want our church to be. That's what we want our place to be. We want people to walk in here. It's why we need to take care of this place. And I know you guys know that, but I'm just saying, if you see weeds in, in the yard, you know, when we walk up, grab them. <laughs> I'm trying to teach myself that one right there, by the way, because I'll walk right through there without looking at anything because I'm not ate up in that way. But now I want that to be something that's on my heart. I want that to be something that's in my mind. You know, if I see trash, pick it up. If I'm going to do, like, I want to be all aspects, all in on this thing. I want to go all in. And that cool, at the end, so, and when we do that, she said, she basically gave up all of her stuff. She gave him all the stuff that she brought. And she basically became a believer. Let's look at it that way. She became a believer in what Solomon was about and what the Lord was doing. And that's what we want to do. We want to see our city saved. We want to see our city changed. We want to see people know the name of the Lord. And so we need to represent well. We need to represent who he is. We need to just be alive in his fullness so that we can change the atmosphere, that we can change what's happening around us. And that, 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 this goes back to, she listed off all the, the waiters, the attendants, the, all these different things. That goes back to what that, that Ephesians chapter 4 was talking about. That, you know, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We have all that stuff so that we can build each other up, that we can go out and have our own works of ministry. It required all those people to take her breath away. So it requires each of us in this room to take the breath of our city away. Like if she would have just came and Solomon was sitting there and nobody else was in the room, they didn't set the tables a certain way, they didn't have all the, you know, they probably had big, beautiful art all over the place. They probably had all this stuff. If they didn't have that, then she would have just walked in and said, you're half of what I thought you were going to be. Because it wouldn't have been anything. Because all those people represented Solomon. Solomon represented God. And because of that, that's what took her breath away. Every single person was involved in taking her breath away. And I'm telling you that you were made for this as well. And then, uh, let's see, in Acts chapter 15, I just thought this was a neat little addition Acts chapter 15, verses 16 and 18. Every single person listed in that list of the things that she was talking about was involved in taking her breath away. And then in Acts chapter 15, 16 through 18, it says, After these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. That's... that's that's us, that's the church, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. So I think they're talking, that's from Isaiah, I think. But they're using it in reference to building the church. And here's, I'm going to read you the Passion again, because it's cool. The Passion Translation of that, those scriptures says, After these things I will return to you and raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen into ruin. I will restore and rebuild what David experienced. Here's the best part. I loved how this read. So that all of humanity will be able to encounter the Lord 
including the Gentiles, who I have called to be my very own, says the Lord, for I have made known my works from eternity. So you're designed to take the breath away of all humanity, not just our city. So I just thought that was really neat, so that all humanity will be able to encounter the Lord. That's what we want. We want our city to encounter the Lord. I know every time I get up here, this is how I talk, but this is where my focus is. I want my city. I want this city was given to me. I know it, and I want my city to know his name. That's just what I want. And like Lena was saying, I think that was awesome in her prayer day where she was talking about, you know, anything that I've said, anything I've said about my city, just please forgive me for it because I want my city to be great. And I want it to be that place of the presence that Joanne was talking about. So you're made for this. Designed to take the breath away. Designed to take the breath away of our city. So I just want to, I just want to tell you, this is, what, this is what I'm about right now. This is so exciting to me. I have very high expectations for new life. I just do. And I know that we can reach them. And I know it's tough when we come in here and there's only a few of us. I know it's hard to think that we can change a city of however many people are here now. I don't even know. There's a lot. I know it's really tough to believe, but I have faith that from these four walls or whatever four walls we move into in the future, we're going to absolutely change the face of our city. I know it. I believe it wholeheartedly. I've believed it for a long time. I guess, I don't know. It's just, this is what I've constantly been praying for well over a decade since I got back here. It's what I've been praying. And I've gone through phases where I, you know, said I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I've gone, but that's just, that's part of just the nature of who I am because I like to, I like the world and I got to see a lot of it. And so I miss that part, but I don't want to leave here. I don't want to leave here ever because this is my, my town and I want to see it changed. I want to see his name glorified. So we don't just come to this building. What, it would look, what would it look like if we all came here not with the intention of only receiving something or only getting personal breakthrough, but if we came here with the intention to love each other unconditionally and to pursue each other's hearts? What if we all became completely captivated by our city, that our region would make our hearts beat faster, becoming captivated with one mind and one goal to completely change the atmosphere of our home? So I'm asking you, are you ready, new lifers? So here's a couple things. So your mission this week, I like to give missions, is to change the atmosphere of a place this week, whether it be the grocery store, restaurant, your neighbor's backyard, um, whatever. If you want to just go on a walk and shift the atmosphere of your walk, it could be your garden too, Marie. <laughs> you could shift the atmosphere anywhere you go. So you might might be wondering how to do that. Well, here's the thing. You're a container of the Holy Spirit. So everywhere you go, if you go with intention, you can change the atmosphere of the room. Whether, Like I said, whether anybody knows it or not, it happens if you go into a place with intention. And that's one of the things, you know, 
uh, another thing, I guess this is Bill reference day, but Bill Johnson talks about, he used to go on one of his, one of the places that they had a church, I think it was in Vacaville or something, can't remember. Huh? Weaverville, that's right, Vacaville is another place. Weaverville. He had like a place that was like, kind of like spiritual guru, kind of goofy food place, hippie place, you know, back in the day. And, um, he would just walk through there to go to another place every day as a routine of his daily routine. And he'd walk in there and he'd walk in there with the intention. He'd bring, you know, he talks about having the dove on his shoulder is kind of how he refers to it as. So he just walks into a place with intention. It doesn't mean he has to say, you know, give the gospel message to every person in the building, but he's walking through the building with the intention of bringing the Holy Spirit in there, of being that container, of you know thinking about the other people around us. A lot of times we get so focused. I do this all the time. I, I say this stuff all the time, but I'm the super, I'm not the worst at it because I do think of it all the time also, but I, I, I will walk into a place and not even consider another soul in there at all. Like They could just die. They don't exist to me kind of when I'm at the grocery store or whatever sometimes because I'm just going to do what I need to do. But there's also times where I go in there and I, every person that I make eye contact with, I pray for them. You know? So that's one of the ways that you can shift the atmosphere. You can change that person's life just by saying something under your breath over them. Um, you're the container of the Holy Spirit. You bring His presence with you everywhere you go. So when you go into the store, go for your walk, do it with Holy Spirit intention. I'm reading this cool book called uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it's becoming... I got this list. I got a list of, this is, I think, my fourth list. I don't have a fifth one yet, but this is my fourth one. This book, I, I, I will tell all of you to read the Bible, and then I will tell you next to read The Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind by Bill Johnson. Then I'll tell you to read Heavy Rain by Chris Vallotton, and then this one has nothing to do with God at all. But this is the fourth one, that this book is absolutely changing my view on life, and it's just The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the quotes that he has in there is, what we are communicates far more eloquently than anything we say or do. And you are sons and daughters of the living king, containers of the Holy Spirit. And what you are speaks far more eloquently than anything that we can say with our mouths or do with our hands. But while we're doing those things or saying those things, we can be that thing. I just, man, that's just really was impacting me. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, he talks about it. Yep. Yep. Yep, he is. I, I kind of picked up on that, and then I read a little bit about him to find out. But it's, yeah, it's a fantastic book. It's really amazing, actually. So, anyways, here's who you are. So Pastor Terry's been leaving us every week for the past few weeks with the blessings, right? That's what we've been talking about. So I'm going to keep the trend going. Except for I'm going to do it a little different because I'm different. <laughs> um, I just want us to remember, remember what we are. We're new lifers. So I'm going to just tell you from the Song of Songs. I just went through, and these are all written. I didn't change any words, but I put them all together in a fun way. It's the entire book of Song of Songs, and it's all things that he says that the shepherd king says about his bride. And that's Jesus speaking over us so we can take this stuff. Okay, so I'm just going to read it to you. 
It's going to take me a minute. It's a lot. So these words, again, I just want to remind you, these words are straight from the mouth of the king. Don't belittle the words by thinking that you're not worth it. Don't belittle the words by thinking you're not worthy to hear them. Don't belittle the words by thinking, well, they were, you know, it's a Bible verse. It's one guy saying something to the, this is, we all know that this is God, this is his love letter. So this is who you are, new lifers. You are so lovely. You are my radiant one. You are my dearest one, my dearest darling. You are beauty itself to me. You are my darling companion. You stand out from all the rest. You are my love, my dearest, my darling, my beautiful one. You are my dove, my dearest darling. You are beauty itself to me. What pleasure you bring to me, my darling. Perfect is your beauty, my bride. With one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. Hey, look at this. You leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes, for you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. You satisfy me, my equal, my bride, for I find the promised land flowing within you, my perfect partner. Your life flows into mine, pure as a garden spring, my darling, my bride, my paradise garden. My equal, my bride, my friend, my equal, my pure, loyal dove, a perfect partner for me, my flawless one. More pleasing than any pleasure, more delightful than any delight, you have ravished my heart. You are my beloved dove, unrivaled in beauty, without equal, beyond compare, the perfect one, the favorite one. You dance as though you danced with angels. You are true royalty. You are truly the poetry of God. Your thoughts are full of life, wisdom, and virtue. I count the delights you bring to me. You stand in victory above the rest. Chapter 8. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. The living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death in the grave, all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. And then back to chapter 2 to end it off. This is what I believe the Lord's speaking over new life right now, currently. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers there is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. I read that a couple weeks ago and I started praying it over us. 
that chapter 2, verse 13. That's how it reads in the Passion. I'm going to read it again. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? I'm just going to relate that back to what happened here last week. We had a defining moment. We believe we had a defining moment. If you weren't here, it's all right. Because you can still live in that defining moment with us that we're here. But we had a defining moment. We had a, a moment of breakthrough. We had a moment to where we were feeling just the presence and holiness of God. And that we knew that from that moment forward, everything was going to be different. So can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. All those things that I spoke, those are all truth about you. There's truth about me. And they're all right from the Bible. You've captured his heart. You've left him breathless. We leave him breathless, so let's go leave our city breathless on behalf of him. Let's go change the universe with his name on our lips. With his name on our lips, we can change everything. Lord, I just bless your name this morning. I thank you for all your kind words that you speak over us. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your kindness, your gentleness, your spirit that comes over us that we can pour over ourselves like a ravenous fire. Lord, that we can walk out of here engulfed in flames with your presence to go change our city. To go just shift the atmosphere, even if it's shifted for one person. Even if it's made somebody's life different, me walking into the grocery store to buy a gallon of milk. If that can change somebody's life, even if I don't know it, I don't care. I want your name to be known. I want your presence to be felt. I want this place, this city this place of your presence, this city of refuge, this city, this place of your presence. I want your presence to be known. And I want New Life's name to be known as well. I want our fame to grow concerning your name, Lord. I want our fame to grow concerning your name. It talks about budding vines, new life, budding all over the city. That's what I see. Lord, change us so that we can change our city. Help us find the right mindsets, Lord. You know, Pastor Terry was talking last week that there's some things that he's, he's processing in his mind where that defining moment is going to push us into different directions. Lord, help us be open to them. Help us do them wisely. Help us to reach our city with gentleness, compassion, and wisdom. Lord, help us to reach our city in new and unique ways that shine with your glory, that shine with your name. Lord, the three things we know about our house is it's a house, a house of worship, a house of healing, and a house of teaching. Those are the three things that you've declared over our house. So Lord, in those areas, again, I'm asking you, you grab one side, we'll grab the other, and let's stretch out these ten pegs. Father, just come move upon us in such a way that we take 
the breath of our city away so that you can breathe into them new life. That you can breathe into them the freshness of your spirit. Lord, just make us new every day, just like you. Help us to see your name. Help us to see your glory. Help us to see your face on everybody's face in this city so that we can be who you called us to be. Amen. Amen.